Matthew Kelly and welcome to take four of Kelly and Co. What with Diego being in hospital this week recovering from a traumatic incident with Corn on the Cobra, our uh, new pet cobra, I had to busy myself. I've uh, I took to uh, going to garden centres, visiting uh, places of interest, London dungeons and all these sorts of places, but I also did a number of interviews about my work. Uh, just to sort of get me out there, I guess, get me out the house, if only on the phone. Um, I did uh, an interview with Johan Harry from The Guardian, uh, which was going very well until we started to talk about introducing Sheesh Law into the UK. All I said was, not at the table. Uh, and then that was cut short. Um... I was due to appear on Friday night with Michael Parkinson. Sorry, folks, who tuned in for that, hoping to see me. But due to the last podcast, there was a sort of a two-way agreement that the interview probably shouldn't take place while he's still alive. So he's recorded a few questions that I'll answer once he's kicked the bucket. Anyway, this week, I uh, was driving along the motorway off to a garden center, and uh, all of a sudden, I get a call from a withheld number. So I pulled over uh, into that little lane where uh, I just, people don't seem to use that lane uh, much. But I pulled over into it and uh, I conducted uh, a little interview. I asked a few questions about my work. And here you are. I hope you enjoy it. Now, I don't, as I say, I don't actually know who he is. So bear that in mind. You're listening to a great work interview with Michael Bungay Stania founder of Box of Crayons, and author of Do More Great Work. So it's always a pleasure for me when I am uh, speaking to a fellow countryman, and I'm lucky enough that I have two countries that I call home, Australia and Canada, and my current guest, Matthew Kelly, is a fellow Australian, although, like me, living in North America, he's based down in the States. And Matthew um, is a real force for change in the world of... um, in the world of great work, because what Matthew stands for, and this comes through in his uh, in his 12 books, in his consulting work, in his speaking work, and, and this is the man who's spoken to you know, over 4 million people over the last 15 to 20 years. What Matthew cares about and stands for is, how do we grow into and step up to and fulfill the best version of ourselves? How do we actually become and live up to the potential that we all have within us? And Matthew's written a number of different books. The one I know best is The Dream Manager, um, which has been sort of thrust on me by three or four different people, which is a, you know, a great mark of recommendation. But he's also written The Rhythm of Life, The Seven Levels of Intimacy. His books have been on New York Times bestsellers, Wall Street Journal bestsellers. I mean, this is a man who sold millions of books. He's also uh, created the, uh, the Matthew Kelly Foundation. In fact... If you go to thebestversionofyourself.com, you'll see that it's actually a, a, an initiative of that foundation to help Matthew share his message 
and his his insight and his strategies for how do we become the best version of ourselves. So it's exciting to speak to him. And Matthew, I'm really glad that you've I'm glad you pulled over the car because we're on the cell phone, and I'm glad you're you're here with us today. So thanks for joining us. Well, hello there. Thank you. And anything you want to add to that introduction, so people have a sense of uh, who you are, apart from your charming Australian accent. Well, I don't think many people seem to have heard of uh, this new theme park just outside Danbury that I visited recently. That is, it's run by John Wayne, and it's centered around Christmas. The idea is that every day there is Christmas. You've got the Yuletide log flume, and you've got the sleigh bells, the roller coaster, and you've got the uh, you got Santa Claus uh, frightening children. And all this sort of thing. And I was just there uh, this week. And I was sad to see that there weren't many other people there. Not many families. It was mainly sort of um, single men in their 30s. Uh, with day passes that I think they'd, uh, they'd got from uh, reward cards and things. I got talking to people in the cafeteria queue uh, at Nando's that they had there. And uh, there was only one member of staff. And he was dressed as a chicken, which is not how they dress at other Nando's, so I think they might have to address that. You know, I was speaking to um, a guy called Brendan Burchard, he may well have heard of. He wrote a book called The Life's Golden Ticket. And for him, the, there was a tipping point where he was involved in a, basically a, a terrible car crash, and it was, a, it was a, a moment of revelation for him where he sort of got this insight about well, three critical questions to live your life by. I'm wondering how you came onto the the whole concept of the best version of yourself, because it's a theme that runs through the work that you do. I enjoy telling large crowds of people about how my son Samantha entered into a relationship with herself just two years ago when she became two healthy gay men. Right. And uh, about how the marriage is uh, coming up soon and how I find this to be, in equal measure, frightening and rewarding. Also, a little bit about myself. I often think that my better self would wear Ugg boots. Now, in, in, in the Dream Manager, Matthew, um, you set up a really interesting fundamental proposition because you say, look, the, there's a clear job for the company and the company's job is to actually be the best version of itself to fulfill its potential. But the employee's purpose is not actually to be sort of small cogs in assisting the company to reach that purpose. You actually say that an employee's purpose is to be the best version of himself or herself. And that sounds great, but I have to suspect, and I know that you do a lot of work with Fortune 500 companies, that there's got to be some resistance to that because that isn't the traditional view of how corporations work. You know, the traditional view is that classic you know, we're a machine, and you're a small cog in that machine, and your job is to not screw up the machine too much. You've lost me. So how do I do that? If I'm a manager, and I'm like, okay, Matthew, I get that, but I've got this pressure coming at me, and I'm, and I know that there are times where I default to, you know, I trade hitting the corporate goal, and I may treat my, my the people around me not as well as I might. What, what are some ways that I, as a manager or somebody in an organization, could actually start changing my behavior and, and influencing the culture around me to shift to this, this more human sense of what business might be? 
Personally, I like to bring flowers to members of staff, and uh, not just when one of their spouses has died. But uh, no, just as little treats, and I think it cheers them up. You know, I was in the cafeteria at work recently, and I could hear the ladies talking. And one of the ladies said that, you know, as much as she likes flowers, she hates receiving chocolate, especially milk tray. And how she told her husband that if she ever saw a man like that at her window, she'd assume she was being burgled by a gay. I, I can totally see that, Matthew. Yeah. I mean, I can see how. You know, so often when you go into a meeting, what happens is people dive into the, the, the doing stuff, and often it's trying to fix the problem, and so that creates a certain energy and a feel in that room. But to hold back and create that space for connection at a human level, but also connection at a, at a, a dreaming level, is a very powerful process to actually sort of unleash. Stars shining bright above you Night breezes seem to whisper I love you Birds singing in the sycamore tree Dream a little dream of me Say nighty night and kiss me Just hold me tight and tell me You'll miss me While I'm alone And blue as can be Dream a little dream Of me Stars fading But I linger on there Still craving your care I'm longing To linger till dawn dear just saying that Sweet dreams till sunbeams find you Sweet dreams that leave all worries behind you But in your dreams, whatever they be Dream a little dream of me I say, I hope this helps the interview, completely unrehearsed. Oh, that's a great insight. Stars fading, but I linger on, dear, still craving your kiss. I'm longing to linger till dawn, dear. Just saying that Sweet dreams till sunbeams find you Sweet dreams that leave all worries far behind you But in your dreams, whatever they be Dream a little dream of me
Hey, Matthew, how... Uh, this is great advice as uh, thinking of us as, as influencing those around us, but I suspect that one of the things that gets in the way of, of connecting to and following through on dreams like this and, and on becoming the best version of ourselves is self-sabotage. You know, we get in our own way around this. So, I mean, what do you see as sort of common traps that people fall into and how, how do we navigate around those traps? Well, someone was explaining to me the other day about the dangers of bear traps. I mean, I had no idea they were such poisonous gossipers. Um, avoid any unexplained cheese. Also, beware of leaves on the office floor. Recently, I had my receptionist capture the janitor and put him in this trap so that any uh, unsuspecting temp could walk over and then we'd all enjoy seeing the janitor devour the temp. And the janitor took a uh, great umbrage to this at being expected to uh, eat another human being. Yeah, I, I love that, Matthew, and uh, I, I love your insight actually about the coaching piece, which is quite frankly, there's something built in systemically to coaching, which is you, you create a time to check back in and you create some space to think about what matters to you. And quite frankly, if you just show up and are silent as a coach, but you maintain those two things you're on the track to be a really great coach. Then it's a question of, uh, you know, don't screw it up from there almost. Well, something that I don't talk about in the book, but I do allude to uh, by uh, my shout-out to the B-52s, is how I enjoy coaching bees. Uh, something that's often done in the science world is that uh, scientists will study human behavior in the hope of learning more about the behavior of bees. I think I got that the right way around. Anyway, I coach bees. I try to have them more have more self-belief and uh, to raise their self-bee-steam and uh, also to... Uh, something that I often talk about in the bee world is, is that all roads are bee roads, no A roads. So there's no shortcuts, only... No, I've got that wrong. There are... All roads are shortcuts when you're going the right way, which is the B way, which is the B road, because there's no A roads in the B world. Uh-huh. Let me tell you a little case story about a bee called Buzz. Now, Buzz was a nectar addict, and uh, he would be completely burnt out after the spring rush. In fact, he was unable to look after himself, and he was committed, and uh, they put a helmet on him. In fact, the book... The bee in the iron mask is based on his life loosely. Uh-huh. But he recovered. He went to a cold turby and, uh, for two months and he became a new person. And he's now, I believe he's dating some uh, hot young bee on the scene, some queen bee. And uh, I believe he's the BEO of a, of a successful company, BP or some such like. These recent allegations about him being... Um, a member of the bees nectar pollen party. Uh, I mean, that's got nothing to do with uh, with my helping him. You know, there's a there's a great tool I came across recently, Matthew. You may you may have heard about it. It's actually uh, set up by one of my the another great work interviewee here. It's called Stick dot com s t i c k k dot com, and it's a it's a tool that allows you to establish your own accountability on on a website, including putting some money into the game. So, for instance, I'm trying to do a a sugar-free kick at the moment. So I've just said, 
two two weeks without eating without eating what we call in Australia sweets or candy, and uh, th- there's a check-in process. And if I check in and I've eaten sweets over those two weeks, then I put a hundred dollars um, up for grabs, and it's a it's a great way to sort of to uh, intensify the accountability process and actually make that more than just a, uh, trying to rely on my self-will to get this done. That's great. So Matthew, how do you um, how do you sustain your own dreams? I mean, how do you manage your own life? Because you're a very success, you're a successful, and I'm going to guess a busy man. I mean, you've got consulting, you've got speaking. You seem to be able to uh, churn out books on a regular basis, and and not just regular books, but actually good books on a regular basis. Um, so I imagine that you're a man who requires a degree of practicing what you preach and self-discipline to, to manage to become the best version of your own self. What, what are some of the, the self-management tools that you use to help you stay on the path? Well, to try and bolster my own uh, efficacy, I think that's the word. I think, that's the, I think that is the word. Um, to try and uh, boost my own uh, work rate output. Uh, use some uh, inside words there. I released a slippery character into the studio as I was recording my podcast. I let a cobra free as I spoke about some of the issues that I felt were important that week. Tragically, Diego was bit 18 times. I'll tell you a uh, long story short, I was in hospital and I was trying to play some music and the male nurse, you know you can get male nurses? The male nurse came over to me and said, uh, you can't do that. And then he was gruesomely attacked by a gorilla. I love that. I mean, I love that insight. But firstly, the insight about how slippery we can be with ourselves in terms of uh, pulling ourselves back from what actually we most desire. But I love that also that insight about how we move from being too easy on ourselves to being too hard on ourselves and having somebody as an accountability partner or a dream coach can actually help you walk that line in a way that is um, so both sort of nourishing but also helps you move forward towards where your dreams are, are taking you. Exactly. Hey, Matthew, I'm, um, and this has been a fantastic conversation and... Um, I think the, the the connection between doing great work, which is uh, effectively for me, uh, my lens on, on doing work that is connected to your dreams, doing work that is meaningful and engaging and makes a difference, and to the, the work you do and some of the tactics you share around connecting to your dreams, exploring them in the 12 different areas, and um, and setting up a regular system of accountability to actually help pull you forward on that. Um, it's been wonderful to talk to you. If people want to find out more about the, the, the Dream Manager program, the other programs that you have involved, where, where can they find you? Well, right now, I'm just driving to Manning Tree Garden Center, so if I'm still uh, there by the time this interview goes out, then if you're the kind of person that listens to this interview and then chases people up in garden centers, there I'll be. Um, in fact, you maybe you can help me load things into the car. Fantastic. And I, I, I'd really encourage people to, to grab hold of the books. I mean, I love The Dream Manager. I think it's an excellent, powerful tool for folks. And uh, Matthew, I really appreciate your time today. Thanks for sharing it with us. Thank you. The 
that was my interview with a withheld number. I hope you enjoyed this podcast.、Um, Diego should be back next week, and so、uh, get your party hats ready for that, folks,、um, to listen to、um, something that will have been recorded before you heard it, and then enjoy the party that we will have had some days before you、uh, were listening. But still wearing the party hat. Ciao.